Chapter thirty three of Virgin Soil, Volume two by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I'm a friend of your husband's, he said, bowing low to Mariana and trying, as it seemed, to conceal his scared and excited face. I'm a friend, too, of Vasily Fedotich's. Alexei Dmitrich is asleep. He is, I hear, unwell and I have unfortunately brought bad news, which I have already communicated in part to Vasily Fedotich, and in consequence of which decisive measures must be taken. Parklin's voice broke continually, like that of a man who is parched and tortured by thirst. The news he brought was really very bad. Markelov had been seized by the peasants and carried off to the town. The stupid clerk had betrayed Golushkin. He had been arrested. He, in his turn, was betraying everything and every one, was eager to go over to orthodoxy, was offering to present the high school with the portrait of Bishop Filaret, and had already forwarded five thousand roubles for distribution among crippled soldiers. There was not a shadow of doubt that he had betrayed Neshtanov. The police might make a raid upon the factory any minute. Vasily Fedotich, too, was in some danger. As far as I'm concerned, added Paklin, I'm surprised really that I'm still walking about at liberty though to be sure I have never taken any part precisely in politics and had no hand in any plans. I have taken advantage of this forgetfulness or oversight on the part of the police to warn you and consult you as to what means may be employed, to avert all unpleasantness. Mariana heard Paklin to the end. She was not frightened. She even remained perfectly serene. But to be sure, some steps would have to be taken. Her first action was to look to Solomine. He too seemed composed, only the muscles were faintly twitching about his lips, with something unlike his habitual smile. He understood what her look meant. She was waiting for him to say what steps were to be taken. "'It's rather a ticklish business, certainly,' he began. "'It would be as well, I imagine, for Neshtanov to keep in hiding for a time. "'By the way, how did you learn that he was here, Mr. Paklin?' Paklin waved his hand. "'An individual told me.' He'd seen him wandering about the neighbourhood making propaganda. Well, he kept an eye on him, though with no evil intent. He is a sympathiser. Pardon me, he added, turning to Mariana, but really our friend Neshtanov has been very, very indiscreet. It's no use blaming him now, Solomon began again. It's a pity we can't talk things over with him. But his indisposition will be over by tomorrow, and the police are not so rapid in their movements as you imagine. You too, Mariana Vikentievna, ought to go away with him, I suppose. Undoubtedly, Mariana replied, thickly but resolutely. Yes, said Solomon, we shall have to think things over. We shall have to find ways and means. Allow me to lay one idea before you, began Paklin. The idea entered my head as I came in here. I hastened to observe that I dismissed the cabman from the town a mile away. What is your idea? asked Solomon. I'll tell you. Let me have horses at once, and I will gallop off to the Sipiagins. To the Sipiagins? repeated Mariana. What for? You shall hear. But do you know them? Not in the least. But listen. Consider my proposition thoroughly. It seems to me simply a stroke of genius. You see, Markelov's Sipiagin's brother-in-law, his wife's brother. Isn't that so? Is it possible that gentleman will do nothing to save him? And moreover, Neshtanov himself, granting that Mr. Sipyagin is angry with him, still, you see, for all that, Neshtanov has become a relation of his by marrying you. 
and the danger hanging over our friend's head i'm not married observed marianna Parklin positively started what not managed that all this time well never mind he went on one can fib a little it's just the same thing you're going to be married directly indeed one can't devise any other plan take into consideration the fact that sipiagin up till now has not gone so far as to persecute you consequently he has a certain magnanimity i see that expression's not to your taste let's say a certain affectation of generosity why shouldn't we utilize it in the present case think of it mariana raised her head and passed her hand over her hair you may utilize what you please for markelov's benefit mr parklin or for your own but alexey and i desire neither the protection nor the patronage of mr sipiagin we did not leave his house to go knocking at his door as beggars we will owe nothing either to the magnanimity nor the affectation of generosity of mr sipiagin or his wife those are most praiseworthy sentiments responded Parklin. but my that's a nice wet blanket was his inward comment though on the other hand if you come to reflect however i am ready to obey you i will exert myself on markelov's account our dear good markelov only i venture only to observe that he is not his blood relation but only related to him through his wife while you mr parklin i beg you oh yes yes but i can't refrain from expressing my regret for sipiagin is a man of great influence so you've no fears for yourself queried solomine parklin straightened his chest at such moments one must not think of oneself he said proudly and all the while it was just of himself he was thinking he wanted poor feeble little creature to be the first in the field as the saying is on the strength of the service rendered him tsipyagin might if need arose speak a word for him for as a fact he too say what he would was implicated he had listened and even gone chattering about himself i think your idea is not a bad one observed solomon at last though i put little confidence in its success anyway you can try you will do no harm of course not come supposing the very worst suppose they kick me out what harm will that do there'll certainly be no harm in that merci thought Paklin. while solomon went on what o'clock is it five o'clock no time to waste you shall have the horses directly pavel but instead of pavel on the threshold they saw neshtanov he staggered steadying himself on the doorpost and opening his mouth feebly stared with bewildered eyes comprehending nothing parklin was the first to approach him alyosha he cried you know me don't you neshtanov gazed at him blinking slowly parklin he said at last yes yes it's i you are not well yes i'm not well why are you here i'm here but at that instant mariana stealthily touched parklin on the elbow he looked round and saw she was making signs to him ah yes he muttered yes to be sure well do you see alyosha he added aloud i've come on important business and must go on further at once solomon will tell you all about it and mariana mariana vikentievna they both fully approve of my plan it's a matter that concerns us all that is no no he interpolated hurriedly in response to a gesture and a glance from mariana it's a matter concerning markelov our common friend markelov him alone but now good-bye every minute's precious good-bye friend we shall meet again vasily fedotitch will you come with me to give orders about the horses 
Certainly. Mariana, I had meant to say to you, keep up your spirits. But there's no need. You're the real thing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, chimed in Parklin. You're a Roman woman of the time of Cato. Cato of Utica. But come along, Vasily Fedotich, let us go. You've plenty of time, observed Solomine with a lazy smile. Neshtanov moved a little aside to let them both pass. But there was still the same uncomprehending look in his eyes. Then he took two steps and slowly sat down on a chair facing Marianna. Alexei, she said to him, everything is discovered. Markelov has been seized by the peasants he was trying to incite. He's under arrest in the town, and so is that merchant you dined with. Most likely the police will soon be here after us. Parklin has gone to Sipyagin. What for? muttered Neshtanov, hardly audibly. But his eyes grew clearer, his face regained its ordinary expression. The stupor had left him instantly. To try whether he will intercede. Neshtanov drew himself up. For us? No, for Markelov. He wanted to beg for us too, but I would not let him. Did I do right, Alexei? Right, said Neshtanov, and without getting up from his chair, he held out his hands to her. Right, he repeated, and drawing her close to him and hiding his face against her, he suddenly burst into tears. What is it, dear? What is it? cried Mariana. Now, too, as on that day when he had fallen on his knees before her, faint and breathless with a sudden torrent of passion, she laid her two hands on his trembling head. But what she felt now was not at all what she had felt then. Then she had given herself up to him. She had submitted and simply waited for what he would say to her. Now she pitied him and thought of nothing but how to comfort him. What is it, dear? she said. What are you crying for? Surely not because you came home in rather a strange state. That can't be. Or are you sorry for Markelov and afraid for me and you? Or are you grieving for our shattered hopes? You didn't expect everything to run smoothly, you know. Neshtanov suddenly raised his head. No, Mariana, he said, gulping down his sobs. I'm not afraid for you nor for myself. But yes, I am sorry. For whom? For you, Mariana. I'm sorry you have bound up your life with a man unworthy of it. Why so? Well, if only because he can be shedding tears at such a moment. It's not you weeping, it's your nerves. My nerves and I are all one. Come, Mariana, look me in the face. Can you really say now that you don't regret? What? That you ran away with me? No. And will you go further with me? Everywhere? Yes. Yes? Mariana. Yes. Yes. I have given you my word, and so long as you are the man I loved, I will not take it back. Neshtanov went on sitting in his chair. Mariana stood before him. His arms lay about her waist. Her hands rested on his shoulders. Yes, no, thought Neshtanov. But yet, before, when it was my lot to hold her in my arms, just as at this moment, her body was at least motionless. But now I feel it gently and perhaps against her will shrink away from me. He loosened his arms. Mariana did, in fact, scarcely perceptibly draw back. I tell you what, he said aloud, if we must run away, before the police discover us, I suppose it would be as well for us to be married first. Most likely we shouldn't meet with such an accommodating priest as Zosim anywhere else. I'm ready, said Mariana. Nishtanov looked intently at her. Roman maiden, he said with an evil half-smile, what a sense of duty. Mariana shrugged her shoulders. We must speak to Solomine. 
Yes, Solomine, Nestanov drawled. But he too, I suppose, is in some danger. The police will seize him too. It strikes me he has done more and known more about it than I. I know nothing about that, said Mariana. He never talks about himself. Unlike me in that, thought Nestanov. That was what she meant. Solomine, Solomine, he repeated after a long silence. Do you know, Mariana, I should not pity you if the man with whom you had linked your life forever had been like Solomine, or had been Solomine himself. Mariana, in her turn, looked intently at Nestanov. You had no right to say that, she said finally. I'd no right. How am I to understand those words? Do they mean that you love me, or that I ought not any way to touch on that question? You had no right to say it, repeated Marianna. Nestanov's head drooped. Marianna, he articulated in a somewhat changed voice. Well, if I were now, if I put you that question, you know. No, I ask nothing of you. Goodbye. He got up and went out. Marianna did not try to keep him. Nestanov sat down on the sofa and hid his face in his hands. He was frightened by his own thoughts and tried not to think. He had one feeling only, that a sort of dark, underground hand seemed to have clutched at the very root of his being and would not let him go. He knew that that sweet, precious woman he had left in the next room would not come out to him, and he dared not go in to her. And what would be the use? What could he say? Rapid, resolute footsteps made him open his eyes. Solomon walked across his room and, knocking at Mariana's door, went in. Make way for your betters, muttered Nestanov in a bitter whisper. End of chapter 33